Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, you are dismissed to King's Quest as the rest of us are seated. My name's Daniel Long, and I'm the, um, the lead interim pastor of Grace, and up here with me is Dr. Don Sanukian. So, yeah, woohoo! Uh, one of my responsibilities is uh, to kind of oversee what happens in the pulpit and in the preaching, and that doesn't mean that I preach every week. It means that, that we are... Is that me? All right. That um, I didn't. I just want to make sure it wasn't you. That noise. Um, but that that we are actually. This is an opportunity for us to hear from from different voices, people within this community and outside of this community, people who love God's word and and love God's church. And certainly, Don, you are one of those. Um, I don't know if if you've been here at least since last fall. You've probably heard um, Don preach. He is somebody who loves grace. Um, a professor at Talbot Seminary and grandfather of what feels like half of the children's ministry <laughs> at Grace. So um, I'm really thankful to have him. Yes, all right here. And, uh, but Don, I'm really thankful to have you. Thank you so much for your care for us and for preaching God's word this morning. I'd like to pray for you. God, I thank you for Don. I thank you for his, um, just the gifts that you've given to him. And I thank you that he uh, wants to use just what you've gifted him with to bless us. And I ask that you would speak through him this morning to our church, to this community, and that we would hear from you, be encouraged by you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Daniel. If I said that I was going to do something quick as a wink... How fast is that? Do you know how fast a wink is? If I said, I wouldn't do that for all the tea in China. How much tea are we talking about? You don't know? If I complain that one of my children is moving at a snail's pace, how fast is he or she, probably he, moving? (laughs) Do you know a snail's pace? You don't know those things. But God does. God knows that a wink is one-third of a second. You want to see it again? <laughs> God knows how much tea there is in China. According to a recent estimate, 360,000 tons. 
And God knows that a snail's pace is 10 feet per hour. If he came through that door while I was talking and he really hustled and none of you stepped on him, he'd make it out there about 5 o'clock tonight. Now, God knows all those things. That's because God knows everything. Everything there is to know, God knows. That's one of his traits. It's one of his characteristics. In theology, we say it's one of his attributes. It's the attribute of omniscience, omniscience, all knowledge. God has all the knowledge there is. God knows everything. This morning, I would like to fasten on God's knowledge. I would like us to see how encompassing, how vast is God's knowledge. I would like us to see how penetrating, how overwhelming, how absolute is God's knowledge. And then I would like us to see what good promise God makes to us out of his omniscience. I would like to see how good it is for us to know that God is omniscient. How vast is God's omniscience? How encompassing is God's omniscience? The scripture says that God's knowledge is so vast, he knows every star in existence, and he knows the unique characteristics of each star. In fact, the scripture says, God has given a name to every star. That's billion, trillions, quadrillions of names. I couldn't keep straight the names of my five kids. Sarah, whoever you are, quit it. I know you live here. I just forget your name. Billions of names. You're reading vocabulary is about 60,000 words. Words, that's nouns, adjectives, prepositions, adverbs, words. Your speaking vocabulary is less than that. God has trillions of proper names alone. Listen to the psalmist. He counts the number of stars. He gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord. His understanding, the psalmist said, it's infinite. God's knowledge in its vastness is just beyond our comprehension. We don't have the mental ability to understand it. But the scriptures also say that God's knowledge extends to the most insignificant detail. God's knowledge is so specific, so minute, that the least thing that happens, he knows. Tomorrow morning in Long Beach, a pet store owner is going to open shop. He's going to go to the glass area against one of the walls. He's going to take out two parakeets, and he's going to put it in a cage. He's going to put a sign on the cage. Two parakeets, five 95, sale. 
A little later that morning, a woman will come into the pet shop and she's going to buy some pets for her grandchildren and her son-in-law will not tolerate dogs or cats. She will settle on the parakeets. She will write a check, 595 to parakeets, hand it to them, take the cage and put it in the back seat of her car and drive away. A couple of blocks later, a car will suddenly pull out in front of her and to avoid a collision, and the parakeets in the cage in the back seat will tumble to the floor of the car in the middle of a And God in heaven, he'll know, he'll know that it happened. Isn't that what Jesus tells us in the scripture we read just a few moments ago? Turn to it in your Bible. It's in Matthew 10. Matthew 10. If you're using the Bible under your seat, that will be page 815. Matthew 10. I'll give you time to find it. Reach under the seat, grab the Bible, page 815. God's knowledge, Jesus says, is not only vast, it is also minute, it is specific. God knows the least thing that happens. Page 815, Matthew 10, beginning in verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? The scripture said that if you were too poor to bring a lamb for sacrifice, you could buy a couple of birds, a couple of sparrows. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? A penny in his day was a small copper coin. It was called an asarion. And the value of an asarion was one-sixteenth of a denarius, a larger coin. Like our nickel is one-fifth of a quarter, or a penny is one-tenth of a dime. In their day, an asarion, a penny, was one-sixteenth of a denarius. And the value of a denarius was a day's wage. Are not two sparrows, are not two parakeets sold for one-sixteenth of a day's wage? And yet, not one of them falls to the ground, apart from your father knowing about it. God's knowledge is vast. God knows the name of every star. God's knowledge is minute, specific. God knows the flutter of every parakeet. But most of all, God's knowledge is personal. God knows you. God knows everything about you. God's knowledge is vast. God's knowledge is detailed. But most of all, God's knowledge is loving. He knows you. He knows why you chose to wear what you're wearing this morning. You say, that's not hard. It was the only clean thing in the closet. (laughs) He knows what door you're going to exit. He knows what you're going to have for lunch and where you're going to have it. 
God knows what you're going to have for breakfast tomorrow morning and which route you will drive and which red stop signs, signals you'll hit. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows how you would act in a situation even if you don't know how you'd act. God does. God knows that if your kid crashed his bike into a parked car and broke his arm, God knows how you would act. Whether you'd come up and say, does it hurt, does it hurt? Or whether, dumb kid, how many times watch for you? God knows how you'd act if you parked your car on a hill and you walked away and somebody said, look, and your car was starting to roll down the hill. God knows whether you'd go, my car, my car. Or whether you'd be crazy enough to try and run and jump in a moving car. God knows how you would act if he gave you another child right now. God knows how you would act if you won the publisher's sweepstakes and a television cruise showed up outside your door with a check for a million dollars. God knows how you'd act if he took your business or your career to a certain level. This is our God's knowledge. Is that not what Jesus goes on to say that is so loving, it is so personal? Look how he goes on in Matthew chapter 10. After saying, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them, one of the least things that happen falls to the ground. Apart from your father, he goes on to say, even the hairs of your head are numbered. God can tell you right now, at this moment, exactly the number of hairs that are in your head. He keeps a running count. And this morning he subtracted a few. (laughs) This is our God's knowledge. Vast, detailed, loving. And out of this knowledge... God has something very good to say to you. Out of this omniscience, this all-encompassing, this specific, this loving omniscience, God has a very good promise to give you. In order to see this promise, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you're using the Bible from the under the seat, that will be page 957, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, page 957. Out of his vast and his detailed and his all-encompassing knowledge of you, here is God's promise to you. He will not put you in any situation that is more than he knows you can handle. He will not ask you to face anything 
that is beyond what he knows you're capable of. His promise is out of his omniscience, he will only bring into your life what he knows you can manage. Look at it in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you. No situation has come into your life. No circumstances has arisen. There is nothing that you are facing. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Others have faced it. It's part of the human experience. Whatever you are going through, others have also gone through it. And here is the promise. God is faithful. He's going to make you a promise. He can absolutely be trusted. You can count on it. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will not let you face anything that is more than you can handle. He will not let you experience anything that is beyond what you're capable of. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, whatever this coming into your life, He will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. You'll be able to put your hand in him, his, and you'll be able to walk through it without sinning and without being devastated. God is faithful. He will not bring anything into your life that is beyond your ability. But he will always provide some means by which You can walk with him through it in peace. God will not let you face anything beyond what he knows you can handle. This means God will not give you a child too difficult to raise. God knows, God knows you have the combination of wisdom and strength and love for that child. God will not give you a husband who travels or is in a difficult occupation unless God knows you can handle the fear. God will not put you in a situation at work with the tasks, the responsibilities, the deadlines, the people you have to work with, the supervisors over you, God will not put you in that situation unless he knew you were capable of it. God will not ask you to live singly unless he knew that were best for the time being. God will not give you a neighbor you cannot get along with. This is our God's promise. He will not ask you to face anything beyond what he knows you're capable of. I remember when that hit me with the greatest force. Maybe it wasn't the first time I'd thought of it, but it was one of those times when pow! It stayed with me. It was a couple of years after I started pastoring Scottsdale Bible Church in Scottsdale, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix. 
The church had been without a pastor for about a year and a half. And when I first came, there was just a lot of, oh, we're so glad you're here. Good to have a pastor again. And for the first year and a half or so, church grew. But after about a year and a half, the excitement kind of wore off. By then I had made some mistakes. They figured out I wasn't everything they hoped I would be. And a dissatisfaction. And I began to began to hear myself being compared to the former pastor. I wasn't coming off good in the comparison. His name was Jim Borer. Some of you even may know him. Uh, he had come to the church, Scottsdale, uh, when they were a group of about 80. And he had taken the church to about 500. And then call, God called him here to Long Beach, Lakewood Baptist. And they cried when he left. Yeah, he was a great pastor. And now that I was there, I found myself being compared to Jim Bohr. It was kind of like when Jim Bohr was here for Vacation Bible School, we had a float through downtown Scottsdale when Jim Bohr was here. I thought I was doing pretty good to get a two-line item buried on the Saturday church page announcing our vacation Bible school. When Jim Borer was here, our church had the highest percentage of adults enrolled in BMA, Bible Memory Association. We were written up in the National Magazine. Here's a copy of the article. One day I was walking down the hallway and uh, I passed through room where our library was and in the library we had a chest and we had some cassette tapes of all the messages that had been given and I saw one of the leading executives young executives of the church there with a drawer open I said hey Bob what are you doing hi Don uh, I'm checking out Jim Borer's series on Romans <laughs> okay yeah I wonder if anybody ever checks out my tapes. I mean, the man's ghost was in the woodwork. It was just... I was feeling intimidated, discouraged. At that time, we had on staff an intern named Greg Bowers. He was a seminary student, but had taken a year off from seminary to do an intern, extended internship with us. Greg had grown up in Scottsdale Bible Church. It was his home church. He knew the people better than I knew them. He heard things I didn't hear. And one day in staff meeting, Greg said, Hey, Don, I hear that some of the people are talking about inviting Jim Borer to come back to Scottsdale and start up a church here. And I, I wondered how you'd feel about that.
I would be flattered if God thought I were capable of that. <laughs> and it hit me. If Jim Borer came back and did that, it would only be because God knew something about me that I didn't yet know about myself that I could handle it. If God thought that Jim Borer could come back and Sanuki would not be crushed or devastated, I was honored that he had such an opinion of me. Jim Borer didn't come back. God knew I couldn't handle it. <laughs> God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not ask you to face anything that he does not know you're capable of. As you look at your life now, is there a tension? Is there a difficulty? Is it a person? Is it the future? You wonder, will it be good? God knows you, and God is creating your future. And his promise to you is he will only bring into your life what he knows you can handle. Be firm in that confidence. Be joyful. Your God is good. Father, we thank you for your knowledge of us, but also your sovereign control over all circumstances, so that between your knowledge and your sovereign control, we have the promise that you only bring what we can walk with you without sin, without devastation. We thank you for the promise of your goodness to us through Jesus Christ. Amen.